0: Three, two, one. Happy New Year. Hi, friends. Today's episode of Two Monicas and a Microphone is another spotlight episode. Today, we're featuring Jess Busey. She's a jewelry designer, entrepreneur, and her family's story of survival and perseverance is one you won't want to miss. It's also part of the reason she's so passionate and dedicated to her industry. So stay tuned for all the details on where to go to buy your jewelry, and who to call when you need something a little extra special. And in case you're wondering, it's Jess. Enjoy! Friends, I would love to introduce you to a new friend of mine. We've known each other for a couple years now, but we're kind of friends by default because you have known my husband for a huge part of your life, right?
1: Oh my goodness, yes. And your husband was one of my very first friends on this planet. Paul and I were like super close growing up. We were basically born like two days apart as well. Oh my gosh, so- I had no idea. Yes, yes, that's like more of an adult thing. You're like, oh, astrology. We had so much fun and he was like my brother. Like literally growing up, he was such a boy and I was such a tomboy that I was always just like, what's Paul up to? Everyone, this is Jess, Jess
0: Busey. Hi everyone. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today because reoccurring theme that I've noticed with many of my friends is that many of them are female entrepreneurs. And so I love that this is a theme in my life because even though I'm not an entrepreneur, I surround myself with great people. And I'm just gonna brag about that.
1: Monica, I love that you put me in that category, great people.
0: I mean, when we met, I remember talking to you and all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but we're talking about aesthetics like skincare and stuff. And then you started telling me that you were an esthetician for a while. And I was like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Correction,
1: I was a straight up beauty school dropout. So I went to school to become an esthetician. I was always obsessed with all things beauty and it's still really high up there on my list. I'm always researching and looking into new brands or the best skincare, but make long story short, yes, I was in the jewelry industry and I took a pause. So I was like, you know what? You've always loved being and doing all things beauty. Let's go learn how to wax and did that but then i really quickly realized yeah i I don't really want to touch other people's skin while so i pulled out of that and even though i took the test i didn't take the state test so technically not an
0: esthetician okay okay well that's all right i mean you still love beauty and i love beauty one of the reasons that i wanted you to be on the podcast today is because i know you're launching your own jewelry line but i thought that the post on your instagram about your grandmother i was just so moved by it and so i kind of like you to talk a little bit about your grandmother her legacy and the fact that your mom your grandmother and you you're all female business owners and jewelers
1: yes my grandmother is in many ways one of the biggest teachers i've had in my life all my life we've been very 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 close and i've had the privilege of not only having a friendship and learning from her, but really truly having a connection with somebody outside of the feeling of it being family. My grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. Her whole family was perished perished and murdered um, oh in World War II. And her mother had basically passed her on to her father, which was her grandfather, and said, listen, my daughter looks so much like me and I want our need to continue. So can you please raise her? And passed her off at a train station, literally, oh, wow. and um, through the window, like the whole thing. And she was raised in Georgia, which is former Soviet Union. It's in the Caucasus region, kind of smushed between Greece and Turkey. It's a very small country, but truly beautiful and epic. And I encourage anybody to go to Georgia, visit Georgia, and not Atlanta.
0: And, well, <laughs> not Atlanta, but it's the country, a, everyone. The country. A little bit of, of world geography here.
1: Yes, exactly. I always feel like I need to clarify a little bit. They're like, are you from America? I'm like, well, my family's Georgian. They're like, so you're American? I'm like, no. (laughs) Yes and no. Yes. So she was raised in Georgia and it was former Soviet Union. So, you know, she really comes from a long lineage of oppression and a lot of different horrid things that happened over yeah. the century. So her grandfather was also murdered in the gulags for being a Jew. So her big aim in life was really not only to survive, but thrive because she has already experienced so much. And so by the time she was 16, she no longer had that father figure in her mm-hmm. grandfather's as he was murdered and taken away. Oh my god. And she ended up marrying really one of the most fantastic stories is how she got married, but that's that's a whole different segment. She got married to my grandfather. They moved, had a whole entire family together and went through many different immigrations to come to America and eventually landed in Los Angeles. From the initiation in Georgia where she traveled with a whole bunch of jewelry and antiques, Mm -hmm. she made it to Los Angeles and opened up her jewelry store and has been there serving Los Angeles community since 1978, which is a long time. That's a um, long time. And she's still there on Fairfax. We call her the queen of Fairfax because she kind of uh, has this authoritarian way of receiving love, not in a very like, you must love me, but it's like, I'm your mother. I'll give you all the advice. Now listen to me. Come <laughs> here. Go there. She's She's really great. And yeah. And from that, my uncle got involved and God bless my uncle. He's no longer with us, but he taught me a lot about jewelry as well. And my mom, you know, is in the industry as well. So it was such an honor and privilege to spend so much time with both of these ladies, my mom and my grandmother, really learning about the jewelry
0: industry from a very vertically integrated perspective. Okay, which, can you explain yeah. to me what that means? Because I don't know. Vertically integrated means
1: from bottom up, basically, everything okay. that it takes for one industry to happen. In the case of the jewelry industry, it means from mines to market. And what it takes really to get a piece of jewelry made, it starts off with mining, either mining gold or mining stones or Mm -hmm. diamonds, and then the process of, you know, refining the gold or polishing the stones and then selling the stones and then going all the way to retail. So it was really such a cool perspective for me to gain because it allowed me to see, oh, what do I excel at? What do I love? Mm-hmm. And me being such a creative, I went all in on everything till I figured it out. And okay. um I did everything from go to the GIA and receive my gemology degree, and then I also went to art school to learn how to render and draw, and went to CAD school to realize how to design on a computer, because that's the future. I did it all, and worked for many different people as well, after I worked for my grandma about seven, eight years. And at this point, I can full-on say that there's not much I don't know, and I'm going to stop myself right there and say I,
0: I am just so in awe right now. <laughs> I mean that is so cool and you're not even 40 yet. This is so cool to be able to say like you are the master of your industry. You
1: know what though as I said that aloud it it made me take a pause because I realized once you think you know everything that's when you stop learning and I don't ever want to stop learning from this industry from my clients from my inspiration and all that comes with it. So I want to retract that and say, okay. no. there's so much more to learn, but I feel confident in what has come my way this far. And this is where I am in this kind of new area where I'm no longer doing, you know, production for high-end companies. I'm no longer doing diamond and gemstone sourcing for other designers. I'm trying to do every to implement everything I've learned and release my line at this point. And that level of confidence is scary. I'm not going to lie to everybody out there, because I do think that there's a bit of trepidation and fear that comes into, can I really? Will I really? It's only me. And depending on you is not always... It's not always easy because you're you're just like you're hedging your bet in every possible
0: way. You're like sure, it's a huge risk to not have the security of working for somebody else. You
1: know, I was like, am I
0: am I completely losing
1: my shit? You're sitting here and you have so many things to pay for, and this is just the bare minimum in life. And you're not focusing on relationships. You know, you're just like literally focused on one thing. Are you hedging your bet too much? And if it you was, build it, they will come. I know. That's what I always told my mom. Yeah. And she was like, honey, this is not the field of dreams. I'm like, that's all it's a field of. (laughs) This life is empty and meaningless.
0: (laughs) Without dreams, it's meaningless. It's literally meaningless. That leads me into one of the questions that I have. I'd love to know more about your transition to create your own brand. Because when I saw your mom a couple of years ago at a wedding, she had on this super cool ring. It was black gold with diamonds, and she was so proud of it, and I could just tell. She's like, check this out, Jess made this. It's got diamonds on all the sides. She's like, my daughter's patenting this. Yes. That is amazing, <laughs> and I want one. And I told Paul, I was like, I want one of those. <laughs>
1: Well, that's, you know, that's also a great story. So about seven years ago, I finished gemology school and I was like, I really just need to learn CAD. I must learn CAD, I must learn CAD. It was this very intuitive process where I was like, you know what, this will really make my experience a lot more fully rounded. I didn't know why I felt that way, but I just had a hunch. Didn't have the money at the time because they're really expensive. And it's not just like, you know, you going to somebody and going, okay, teach me this. Learning CAD is like learning a language. It doesn't matter whether you're making packaging out of CAD or water bottles. It's a whole language built into a computer and it's a muscle you have to build and you're not gonna learn like Chinese in two weeks. You know what I mean? Not even close. It's the same thing with CAD. And I found myself basically writing letters to this program saying, please let me in. They said, look, we will open up a scholarship thing and maybe you'll be interested and maybe you'll get a full scholarship. I never believed I would, but I did it anyway. And I received a full scholarship and I went to school. There I was for six months learning CAD and one day, five months into the program, started making this Pinterest because Pinterest can be some of my favorite things. Oh,
0: I love Pinterest. Me too. I'm such a geek for it. I
1: sometimes just sit there for hours making mood boards, not knowing even what the mood is or what it's for. And then I realized, you know, I really want to do something that feels It feels like the 90s to me. And I don't know about you, but I was so into skater boys when I was young. I was like, oh, they're so cute. They're so dirty. Like, yes,
0: yes. The grungy skater boy. Oh, my
1: gosh. Oh, my God. Me, too. My my guy's name was Mike Rudd. I was 12 years old. I didn't even know fully what a freshman every single time he would call my landline. My dad would be like, "Hello," And I'd be like, (laughs) right anyway so I I was really inspired by the 90s and a lot of the fashion fashion was so simple yet there would be beautiful pieces of jewelry and adornments but particularly what I zeroed in on was the chains and I was like I want to make a chain and a new innovative take on it and so I went from like this whole evolution of chains for about two weeks just sitting on that and staring at it and one day I was just at a bar having a drink the genesis of how ideas are born really and I'm like kind of dazed out waiting for my friend to arrive probably into my second or third class all by myself. And I look over and this guy is kind of just wearing this gorgeous chain and I looked at it and stared at it. And in my mind, they started catting what it would look like in a different format. Not get into the technical ideas, but I went back to the computer at school the next day, got back to the drawing table and created this new concept collection based off of the form of the hourglass. And I was really onto something according to my teacher, because like we mm-hmm. had our design competition. He was like, don't put this up for the design competition. I think you should explore what this looks like. Somebody's going to steal this. And <gasps> it's a big roof in the jewelry industry. So what
0: a he cool was instructor to tell you I to know. your cards close to your chest. Yeah, he was
1: like, see the forest, not the tree type of thing. He was like, uh-huh. just see, see what can happen. Have this printed and have it casted. And then my brother, who is a lawyer in New York City, had the same reaction as my teacher. He worked then for the Fashion Law Institute. He was like, we have this symposium coming up where a whole bunch of lawyers will be kind of giving advice. And if they want, they'll take you on pro bono. I showed up to that symposium and my now lawyer that I've been working with for almost five years said, listen, we should file for patent for this both utility and design. And that floored me because I thought the patents were restricted to like basically medical engineering. Sure. Like, sure. I didn't understand. It, in in essence, he did a whole bunch of research and mm-hmm. basically came back to me within two months saying, you know, I did a patent search. There's nothing on the market like this. I want to file for you and you can work with me or you can file yourself But this is the information. He was so loyal and so enthusiastic that I was like, oh, I need to have him by my side at all. Yeah. So, and he's been such a champion of mine, like really, truly. I mean, this is a, a lawyer that has seen it all and really does a lot of work for a lot of big brands. And so basically, he came back last January and was like, Jess, bravo, you got the patent and utility and design, which is truly unheard of. Cheers to you.
0: Oh my God, that is so cool.
1: It really is
0: my crowning achievement in life so far. I, again, just, just in awe. I think that is so fantastic and how it was all born. When I look back and
1: it, even sometimes when I get present to the moment, I'm like, you know what, Jess, like that's the genesis of life. It's not only the genesis of your idea, like you just don't see how things end up that moment. I would have never thought waiting for my friend could become such a beautiful outcome. Right. and Here we are. So really, sometimes we just have to lean into the things that we don't really fully understand and allow them to fully take shape because case in point, sometimes life can be really unnerving, irritating, and at that moment, irritating because it's like, come on friend, let's drink. Let's right. <laughs> right,
0: But yeah, there's some good juice in it.
1: So we got to sweep so that awesome. nectar.
0: That leads me into another question because life is unexpected. And I don't know if you can think of a time when something happened in your business and your career. Obviously, everyone has the ability to turn lemons into lemonade, or you can have sour grapes. Um, So I don't know if you have an instance. You know, um, great question. And I would say I had many times like that
1: earlier on in my life. I think that sometimes what I've learned is that life is just that tough, but it's also about perspective. So you have to have grit, and elbow grease to really be resilient and see that there's a much bigger possibility for you than you're envisioning at the moment. You know, I've worked for a lot of people and mm-hmm. my job experiences have been really tough on me. A, because I like to work autonomously. I'm a great leader, not a great follower. I always felt like working in groups, sometimes people were all about the like, oh, nine to five, gotta leave, blah, blah, blah. And I would always be like, no, wait, wait, guys, we, we, we should either do this. <laughs> or that, or I'm always like trying to contribute to the bigger picture and mm-hmm. not everybody has the same thing, but it allowed me to recognize, you know, what people's strengths are, what people's weaknesses are, and how to really maximize on both like, you know, you're not going to get a fig from a lemon tree. So same thing goes for work environments. And with that, I learned how to really deal with people. There have been many times when I could say, no matter how good of a job I did in my boss's eyes, it was a failure, no matter what, you know? Mm. So, and I can't say that there's one defining moment that was just that horrible, but I would say realizing that the only person you can depend on is really yourself. Yourself. That became very evident to me in the past five years. You know, I would be the girl that would be working later than everybody else. I would be the girl that would be saying yes to things that sometimes you should be creating a boundary for. But I also realized that not everybody is going to give you an applause and you shouldn't look for the applause or the criticism.
0: And I think that's so important. So many lessons that in my 20s, I wish I had known looking to be proud of myself and my work should be my motivating factor, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, like you said, the applause from somebody else. And I think what you were just saying about learning about people, it sounds like you figured out how to identify and have empathy for people in their different situations and recognize that not everyone is built like you.
1: But that's a beautiful thing. So when you really peel off the layers or look into that person, what are they good at? A person can be a good liar, for example. So you can (laughs) tell me what to tell this person to get out of this, blah, blah, blah. And they'll come up with it. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like there are odd strengths that you can find within everybody. And it was also about me kind of realizing that I don't want to depend on other people's strengths and weaknesses. Let's look and excavate my own. And if I went by what other people believed, including my mother and my father, I would not be in my seat right now. And that goes to just say, sometimes you have to go with your gut and solely listen to that. There's a saying, and I feel like it was like the biggest epiphany for me, is know it by heart. And I used to think know it by heart meant memorizing it. But to me today, know it by heart means what your heart wants, not what your rational mind is telling you to do, but what does your heart want? And when you know it by your heart, it feels like you're in a constant natural flow and you're not resisting things that otherwise you would have, you know?
0: Oh, I totally know. I was a a philosophy major in college and one. One semester, I studied Eastern religions, which I think are completely fascinating. And my professor, oh, Dr. Stevens, hi, Dr. Stevens, if you're listening, <laughs> um, we were talking about the concept of Wu Wei. And it's the concept of moving with the flow so that you're gaining ground, but you're not really expending energy. At least that's the way I interpreted it at the time. So when you think of a, a salmon swimming against the flow of the river, that is not Wu Wei. Wu Wei would be the fish swimming with the flow of the river. Because they're gaining so much more ground, but they're not expending the energy. When people talk about going with your passion and you should be passionate about what you're working for or working with, for me, it's always been wu-wei. When you can work, but not feel like you're working. I love it. I really want to look into wu-wei. At one point, I fancied that I would get a tattoo on myself of symbols for wu-wei, but I nonetheless chickened out. (laughs) I'm not a tattoo person.
1: Neither am I. I. I always say when people are like, do you have tattoos? I'm like, I have scars, guys. <laughs> I have lots of them too.
0: Let's talk about you as a designer and a creator, and you do something that not a lot of people are familiar with, but you do bespoke jewelry. Anyone yes. not familiar with the term bespoke, Jess, why don't you define it for us?
1: Bespoke really comes from tailoring. It was yes. a like when people wanted to wear suits or it wouldn't be something that they bought off the rack it would be made custom for them and so the application of the word really just means custom in jewelry but it really is bespoke because it is always what the client wants there is i can tell them about the limitations with working with a certain material or a certain gemstone but it's basically using a person's personality mm-hmm. and my skill set which is you know as a gemologist I can pick out the best stones or the best biker standards and that's really all that matters and doing the CAD and everything that goes with it except for the one skill set I will be completely transparent. I am not a bench jeweler so I do not know how to solder how a laser or anything like that but you can't know it all and we still have time um. <laughs> you've got you've got time to learn that. Yeah, I I do. I do. And I've always actually, you know, wanted to do that. Once I, you know, started going through CAD and I was going to do it, one of my teachers who is a bench jeweler told me, listen, Jess, being a bench jeweler is like being an Olympic champion. You have to really finesse it for years before you Mm -hmm. can even become a bench jeweler that sits behind a bench and does jewelry for people. It's like you kind of have to pick your niche and excel at it.
0: Interesting. So I have a piece of jewelry from my grandmother on my dad's side. It's a a ring with diamonds. It's got four diamonds. And she had it custom made for her from Ahi Jewelers in Gross Point, And they've been around for decades. Yeah, um, yeah. And so she had it done in the 70s, and I will never change it. I love wearing it. And it's one of those things that I love pulling it out for special occasions, but I also love just wearing it. I would love to. And by the way, Ahi Jewelers used to be one of my accounts. Oh, OK, yeah. So you know who that I'm so
1: I'm very familiar with them. But yeah, no, they're a great, great, great store. And I think that they really do a lot of great business and they're very friendly. So if anyone's listening to this and needs to know where to buy jewelry or good people to deal with, Ahhi Jewelers are a great jewelry family. When
0: Paul and I were dating, we had only been dating a few months, but he'd walk me by the jewelry case in a store that shall remain nameless because you'd probably cringe. (laughs) Costco. And he'd be like, so what kind of ring do you like? We just started dating a few months ago. I thought it was so weird. So my mom, I went back for Christmas and I was like, mom, Paul's been asking me about rings. We should go to Ahi and uh, take a look. And sure enough, we did. It was fun. Oh my goodness. But by the way, Costco for
1: what they are, you know what? Hats down. You know, if you're looking for something, they're going to have it and they're going to have it at extremely competitive pricing. So there's no shame in going to Costco for your jewelry. Really right. no shame. You well, get, You can get your vacuum and diamond there.
0: Anything is possible. Next Costco. time Paul sees a $1,000 Costco charge, I'll be like, what? I bought a new vacuum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, literally, why not?
0: Why not? Well, a um, lot of people $16. are intimidated by precious metals, diamonds, jewelry shopping, all of that. And we've mentioned two very different places, Ahhi Jewelers in Gross Point and Costco, nationwide. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for the common consumer to help them either get the best deal or avoid some traps? I saw someone on Facebook trying to sell what they claimed was a $9,000 ring for $2,500. And people are like, that's a scam. Here's the thing is that jewelry is a luxury. The
1: default of that luxury is that moment that many people have experienced when you know, that Julia Roberts pretty woman moment yeah. when she walks into the store and the woman looks at her and goes, This is expensive. And she's like, Yeah, well, I don't care. Can I look at it? And, the, you know, like everyone's gone through that mm-hmm. type of moment. And it's very, it's very discouraging. You know, like it doesn't matter whether it's jewelry or really sometimes like even clothing or skincare. Sometimes the, the experience and that of itself can be very intimidating. A, because as a consumer, you're not coming in all the time with all the information about everything. So when they talk to you, it's almost as if they're talking at you, like this is this. And it's not what I would say is exactly the experience that people want to feel. And that's why really I came to this whole custom jewelry, because I want people to have the experience of participating, of feeling like this is their baby, this is their vision, this is I'm just there to execute on it. There's no me stopping, holding back from telling a person my opinion. If I have one, someone's asking me about, listen, I want to get an emerald, but I want it to be vivid green. I'll Mm -hmm. say, listen, then we should go Colombian, but really what's your budget? Because if you want to maximize on your budget, we can go Zambian. I will give people my perspective, but I will also do it in a way that's very educating, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so you can take, have a takeaway and you're in the driver's seat, which I don't think people really feel when they walk into a jewelry store. They're not necessarily in the driver's seat. They're looking at a salesperson who usually, in my opinion, has no clue about jewelry. They're just there to make a commission. So if they don't look at you and think that they can achieve that, they're not going to bother. So having the information is what really usually allows salespeople to deliver on their job. Having said that, it's also their ability to really feel that their customers,
0: see them. Yeah, I can only think of one other industry where people spend a lot of money and are the most poorly informed. So I think jewelry buying, especially when you're talking about diamonds and semi-precious stones, that's one industry and possibly the car industry, the auto industry, because unless you're like Paul, who loves, he loves window shopping for cars, he will spend hours online before he even hit the deer with his mini in October. He was window shopping for a new car just because he likes it. He's a very informed car shop. I, on the other hand, I'm like, I like that color. It's got four doors. It drives fast. That's it. I'm the same. I'm the same. And so I feel like for most people walking into a jewelry store is a very similar experience. They're going to drop upwards of a thousand dollars on earrings or, or whatever it is. And they have zero knowledge or information going in.
1: A hundred percent. And the thing is, is that You know, today there's so much information, but there's so many ways that a client or a person can go into it with misinformation. Sure, It's very difficult for a client to be able to discern why Blue Nile will be charging X amount of money and then a designer will be charging X amount of money for the very same Mm -hmm. material. Now here's the thing, it's obviously not the very same material, but there's always information or about or this or that. So they'll teach you a little bit about carat weight quality, so on and so forth. And yes, that distinction is usually written well between the lines. So you're not able to discern yourself as a person walking into the situation. But I will say that in terms of jewelry buying jewelry, there's usually a high, high premium for most designers, like mm-hmm. you go into Tiffany's and th- this is not to knock it, but when you're paying for designer today, you're paying for a premium. It's the way that people kind of are able to flow why their prices are their prices. I can't make a blanket statement, but if we're going to talk about a carrot comparable from Blue Nile to a carrot comparable in the same quality and everything from mm-hmm. Tiffany's, mm-hmm. you're going to be paying, you're going to add another zero for sure, no matter what it is. You know, because of the name, Tiffany, because of the name, and of course, they're sourcing higher quality diamonds. Mm -hmm. And this is where and why my idea of everybody was born because I already have fostered all my relationships within the industry that have helped and enabled me to get my prices where I have. So it's not a matter of a premium for me. If you want a higher quality diamond, I'll get it for you at the cost of what it is, and we'll take it from there. It's all about your budget. You're not paying for a premium. You're telling me what you want, and that's what I deliver on. I'm not sitting there going, okay, you know what? We're going to go in between Tiffany's and Blue Nile, and we're going to mark it up like 120%. No, that's not the way it should be working. But there are a few designers, actually, in the industry, and I'll name a couple of them that I personally respect and i think that their prices do reflect the value and their efforts and their labor to get it there but when we're talking about bigger end brands like cartier Mm -hmm. when in my opinion the only thing that i would personally get from cartier is a watch you know um that's what they're known for that's what they've always been known for paul wanted
0: paul wanted a cartier wedding band and i was like no
1: You're like, "Honey,
0: no, no, no." <laughs> no. And the reason I said no is because he, I swear the the millimeter width was so Narrow, that yeah. I was like, that's a women's ring. I'm telling you right now, that's a woman's ring. And I was not going to let him walk around with a... With the little
1: dinky gold man. I know. Paul is so funny. Every company is known for something in how they got there. Now, Cartier historically has been an amazing brand. I do like their stuff. I do think that it's great, but does it warrant the price
0: tag? Eh, that's very subjective, you know? Um, Some people just love walking around with the label, you know? And yeah totally fine paying the premium for the label. I personally would like a diamond twice as big and not have a label attached. Exactly, that's how I feel too. And that's really what
1: my custom business, which is Everybody Loves Carrots, little witty pun there.
0: Let's talk more about that. So your brand.
1: So Everybody Loves Carrots has been a custom jewelry, bespoke as we were saying earlier, um, jewelry line that I Instead of going into production, people will tell me what they want. So I'm not sitting on merchandise. I'm not sitting on goods. And I basically source all of my relationships within the industry. So if you tell me, listen, I want the best Montana Sapphire, I'll go to a Sapphire dealer and really hunt down the prices for you for your budget. I either show you over Zoom because of COVID now, or we'll discuss the different tones you want, and then I'll come to you in a meeting and you'll pick the stone that you wanna work around. And if you have design ideas already, you know, I'll CAD them for you. If you have basically what I would call is like, you give me free range and I go off personality, your Mm -hmm. skin tone how you wear your jewels and how you dress up, I can design around that. And I've done that many of times before, because what I found is that people want to have a distinct look, but they don't know quite what it is, you know? So we'll flush it out. That's one of my favorite things to do. Like, you know, how much do you use your hands? How much do you, you know, really use your arms? A Mm -hmm. bracelet, something that you want to make noise with. And you know what? I had a customer once that said, I want a whole bunch of bangles. So they make noise when my arm moves to all my avoidance I'm walking down the hall, and I was like, "Oh, the specific." I'm like, "Okay, let's do it." But you know, sometimes people have like this loosely framed understanding of what they want, and I'm just there to execute it. So everybody loves carrots. It's just a marriage of my work experience within the industry and my design experience and me just delivering it at the best possible prices and yield the most for you in terms of carrot weight and quality and even finishes when it comes to production.
0: I tell Paul this all the time and when you and I talked about um, the different styles of ring that you had and you asked me how much I work with my hands, I do not take off my jewelry. I am like my mom. I Mm. sleep with it, I shower with it. I mean, don't tell Paul, but he probably never needs to buy me another pair of earrings because I don't take them off. (laughs) I tend to rotate like twice a year. I have the summer style and then the winter style.
1: But Mon, I can tell you I'm the same way. I'm literally the same way. And you're talking to a girl who has more than enough jewelry for days that I've made for myself. But I have the tendency just to keep one thing on rotation. I don't take it off to wash my face. I don't take it off to ride a bike. I don't take it off even when I sleep. I make sure that those earrings are comfortable So they don't. The packings don't even push into my earlobes. Like I'm very much like you in that way. And in some ways, it's awesome because we always have our jewelry on. (laughs) But then, other times, I have like this secret envy when I look at girls just switching it out according to their outfits, and I'm like, Oh my god, I want to be you! But I forget.
0: I forget. I know.
1: (laughs) But in the jewelry industry. You wear what you want. You wear what you can afford. And the biggest advice I would give to anybody buying jewelry, don't buy what somebody else has because it's what they have and you want to be on that level. Buy what makes your heart sing. I'll be honest. I love silver jewelry. I love tchotchke jewelry. You won't always find me wearing gold and platinum. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Have fun with it. It's all about what things make you feel like. It's like, I'm not going to put on a tiny mini bikini because another girl looks good in it. I, I won't <laughs> feel comfortable that way, no. you know? So in the same way, I'm not going to feel comfortable with crazy sized diamonds on me because I'm that's just not me. But I would say find your style and rock it because there is no right or wrong. It's what makes you feel good. There's no right or wrong bikini and there's no right or wrong ring. That's it's right. what makes you feel your best.
0: So I asked Jess if anyone could follow her on Instagram. I already follow her because I love seeing the pictures of beautiful jewelry, and I'm invested in her as a creator and entrepreneur.
1: Yes, anybody can follow me, and full disclosure, I'm not the best at Instagram, so it's something that I find to be high-maintenance. Sorry, Instagram people. It I know, is- guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, they don't even showcase I would say a tenth of my work because it's always like, it's an effort. And I apologize for all those that are going to check me out and go, oh, what's this? And not really find anything that they're into. But... I shouldn't talk that badly about my Instagram. I'm proud of myself for even trying.
0: Being perfectly honest, I struggle with it. And when the other Monica approached me about this podcast, eventually she's like, we have to get the word out and we have to be on Instagram. And we have to be on Instagram every day, this and that. And we have to do reels. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so intimidated and I don't have time. (laughs) But I find Instagram very intimidating and challenging.
1: For anybody really looking or interested in custom jewelry, my Insta account is at Carrots and carrots spelled C-A-R-A-T-S. Like the diamond. Yes, day. exactly. I love that so you got it right away.
0: Oh yeah. My dad's nickname, Diamond Jim. Oh my God, I love that. And Why? there was a point in my life where my dad wore more diamonds than my mom.
1: I love that because... My other company is what we were talking about previously. My patented jewelry collection will be releasing, which I'm so excited about. This is a jewelry collection where it's born and invented out of the love of time, hourglass and harmony. But I am also kind of focusing it for both men and women. The reason for that is because historically men were the originators of jewelry wearing. It wasn't women. And in fact, men used to wear like gemstones around their neck and diamonds around their neck, unpolished diamonds as almost symbolic of their wealth to prove that they had money, like to showcase it somehow. And it's become Maybe a little bit more mainstream yet again recently, Mm -hmm. but for I would say the past hundred years, it wasn't exactly something men would go beyond a coupling, beyond a wedding man. So I'm really excited to kind of create this high end jewelry collection, which isn't necessarily sterling silver, which is a default Mm -hmm. material men feel comfortable wearing if they're a biker or if they're in rock or, you know quite literally Niels Gallagher type of thing. But to deviate from that category of people and say, hey guys, like we can all wear diamonds. Like we should be all wearing diamonds. If you want to floss, floss. If you want to wear this, don't feel like this is putting you in a certain type of category of overly obnoxious, or overly flaunting. If women do it, why can't men do it? And it's really personality than anything else. Some people like to, and some people don't. But I also feel like Ox is initiating itself in order to introduce a jewelry line that is
0: modern, classic and sophisticated for men equally as it is for women. So cool. I'm so excited. And I'm, the recipient, thanks to my wonderful husband, of one of these pieces.
1: You are. I know. I am really excited for you. And you are actually, I would like to say and give a big shout out to Monica because you are my first Ops believer. I couldn't feel more blessed to have you. And to answer one of your questions earlier, which was, what is the hardest thing? The hardest thing can be, you know, sometimes being in an industry where you have to believe in yourself But the sweetest thing is when that first person comes out of nowhere and is like, hey, knock, knock. I'm interested. And that was you. So I want to say forever will I remember you as my first Ox client, as basically the woman who fortified me and my belief in myself
0: and what I'm doing. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a huge compliment. And I'm going to toot my own horn and just say that I have a really good eye for things that are awesome. All right. I know you probably have a a full day as a female entrepreneur.
1: As a female entrepreneur, every day is full. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I made it sound like I'm really over here. Got to build and support one business and build another. And I am so honored to have you. Also, this is my first podcast. So thank you to the Two Monicas podcast for really hosting me and giving me a platform to talk about my experience in the jewelry industry and to talk about how I even got here. It's been really a pleasure. And, you know, listening to myself talk kind of put a smile on my face because you're able to see how you move the needle through your own process and experience and just continue churning it out and anyone that's tuning in and has these questions about what whether they're doing it whether they're gonna get there I would say don't look too far into the future just try to stay present with where you are and what you're doing in that moment and every moment that you're present to will lead to the next moment and push you further and further and further and anybody can Do this. Just find that skill set that you love.
0: Well, I'm excited. I hope you come visit me in Florida. I don't think that we can wait another couple years for a wedding. Unless it's mine. Unless it's mine. Well, I think that's a perfect note to end on. I I think that you're just going to be so thrilled. I can't wait for you to
1: try it on and wear it and never take it off. Nope.
0: Never going to take it off. Never taking off. Yes, and thank uh, you-, you so, yeah. so, so much for making the time to record, for putting it all out there and being so honest about your life experience and your family story. I think it was a really a wonderful conversation. Oh my God, Mon, honestly, I have to say, like,
1: I really appreciate you.
0: All right, Monica, thank you again. It was such an honor to be on your podcast. Two Monicas and a Microphone has a lot planned for 2022 and we hope you'll be around for every minute of it. Not only are we launching a brand new podcast, but we have so many exciting episodes already in the works. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and now you can review our show on Spotify. And don't forget, tell two friends. Today's music was provided by Kevin McLeod, Winnie the Moog, and musical files from filmmusic.io. For full credits, please see our show notes on twomonicaspodcast.com. Happy New Year!